Hello, welcome to the official at u2.com podcast, talking all things U2, including new album news, tour dates, and community discussions from the staff of at U2. I'm your host, Chris Enns, and I'm joined once again by Mr. Matt McGee. Hello, Matt. Hello, Chris. How are you? I am well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. And we are also joined, it's not just the Chris and Matt show anymore. We're also joined by Mr. Brian Betteridge. Did I get that right? I forgot to confirm. You did. Very okay. good. There we go. And uh, welcome to the show, Matt. Uh, Matt, see, I did it already. <laughs> Brian. I, I told the guys beforehand that their voices sound, or their accents or whatever sound very similar, so I'm probably going to confuse them, but that's a little too early to start confusing things. I'll... Welcome to the show. Maybe you just got it out of the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Take a drink you of your favorite f- beverage every time I screw it up. You've got two Philly natives on with you, Chris, so good luck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we are recording this as the uh, New York show is actually ending. I don't know if somebody's got an eye on the, the feed, but uh, some very cool stuff happened in the show tonight. We'll cut, get into that a little bit later. Hopefully you as a listener are paying attention to the at YouTube Twitter account and various streams that are going out from that. We'll get into that a little bit later on. But uh, for right now, as by way of introduction, since we had Matt's introduction and myself a couple episodes ago, Brian, where did you, uh, first of all, with regards to at U2, what's your role? And then also, where did you come at U2, the band from? Well, in regards to uh, at U2, I've uh, been here for about a year now. I work on the tours team, uh, so I spend a lot of time listening to uh, old U2 shows from anywhere from the 80s to you know the ones happening right now and uh, just check the, our, our database uh, of set lists to make sure everything is, is accurate and add snippets that we may find. Uh, I, I love it because you know I just get to listen to U2 all the time and you know who wouldn't want to do that. But uh, I first got into U2, I think, uh, 1997. I was like 14 years old. Um, uh, Staring at the Sun came on the radio and I, and I loved it and I went out and bought the pop album and it was not long after that that the uh, that Best of 1980-1990 album came out and I, I bought that and that was pretty much the end of it. I went out and bought every album I could find. I saw them for the first time on the Elevation tour uh, and um, they've been my, you know, my go-to uh, musical interest since then. Nice, yeah. And so for folks who aren't maybe haven't come across it yet somehow, but tours.atu2.com is the site you're referring to that with the, I'm assuming some sort of amazing custom database system that you guys have got going <laughs> to catalog. <laughs> you call all it that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and you know what I, I, I would love, we should do, we should dedicate one entire podcast to what the tours folks are doing, like Brian and Ross. And I mean, there's just, there's, you know, six, eight, 10 people that are just like literally finding every available, um, you know, live recording from every you know every tour, every show that that U two's ever done, and listening to it and comparing what this you know what U two performs to what we have on the site, you know, with the uh, the you know the end goal being you know to have the most accurate you know recording of U 2s uh, tours and set lists and what Bono says during the show and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, the most accurate on, on the web. And, and it's just, I mean, the work they're doing, it's just, I mean, it's, it just blows my mind, the, um, you know, the, the work they've done. And, and, and I'm probably haven't done a good enough job using our website, our main website, and our social accounts to sort of uh, give them props for the, for the work they're doing. Because, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. You should see the discussions that, that uh, the guys have in terms of, you know, does this count as a snippet? And is this, and, and, and Brian can confirm this. I'm like one of the, one of the, the, the discussions that comes up pretty regularly is like there'll be an old, you know, bootleg that's listed as like, you know, April 10th, 1985. But somehow Brian and the guys figure out that, oh no, that's not really the April 10th show. That's the April 20th show. And it just blows my mind the way that, you know, they're going through all this. Just incredible. Nice. Well, I've been I've been collecting the, that stuff for years, and I've been ever since. You know, I think when I saw them for the first time on the Elevation tour in Philadelphia, um, it became pretty obvious that live U two is uh, for me at least, and way better than than studio U two. Not the studio U two is bad. I mean, I, I love that too. But uh, <laughs> so, <emails> Brian. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but. Uh, 
it's you keep calling it like working on the site, but it's it's so I find it to be a lot of a lot of fun, and I don't even you know I'm going to be listening to this stuff anyway, and uh, it's it's yeah like a hobby for me, and it's the hobby for everybody else too, and uh, it's become a bit of a, a labor of love, and I I think it's it's going really well, and we've made a lot of progress on it since since I even started a year ago, and I know a lot of people working on it before then. Um, but I'm really excited to see where it goes from here on out. Yeah, it's very cool. Very cool stuff. Yeah, definitely. And uh, and it's interesting just that you mentioned that you came to U2 through sort of pop and then, you know, Elevation Tour was your first tour. And, and maybe this is maybe more, I don't know if it'd be more interesting because you weren't a fan for the early days and trying to, you know, getting to listen to all that stuff, whereas a fan from that early days might be not as inclined, I guess. I don't know all the staff. There's probably, I'm sure it's well um, represented as far as different ages and uh demographics or whatever of youtube fans but uh but yeah that's a, a great resource and something i know i've even before i was aware of at youtube as a thing and just googling random stuff as a musician and trying to figure out what they were doing and and you guys would pop up and and so yeah kudos to you guys on the hard work you're doing as much as it's fun <laughs> let's all pat ourselves on the back right, right. Now. we're so great all right. <laughs> <laughs> that's what a podcast is all about right congratulating yeah exactly <laughs> And <laughs> the uh, well, well, and a bit of follow up from from previous episodes, I guess. Um, it's been a while since Matt and I originally recorded those first two now, but um, a couple of folks using the We've hashtag, yeah, ask at you yeah, two hashtag. Um, I'll tweets. I'll address one. The Allegra sixteen. She asked. We'll, we'll generally refer to people by their Twitter handle in the interest of I don't know. I guess. I guess we could use the real name. It's on Twitter, but just for keeping things simple so that we can reference you that way. And then people can go follow or continue the discussion later if they wanted to, I guess. But Allegra16 uh, asked, please post as to how long each podcast is. Thanks. Not sure if I have time to listen now or wait till later. And uh, and that's definitely something that we can do and probably will do in the future. We're sort of all figuring this out as we go. Um, I, I tweeted at her, uh, I think, couple yesterday or whatever just in response on the good stuff site there is a built-in sort of time co-generator thing and we'll get that sorted so matt can post it because i can appreciate that as someone who listens if you're about to press play you kind of want to know am i going to be able to finish this or come back later and try to remember yeah no that's what i'm about yeah when i when i post when (laughs) (laughs) well if i'm on the podcast you can guarantee it's going to be very long-winded but uh, yeah when i post the the stuff on the home page i'll try to remember to put the the running time on there too and we generally will aim for a 45-minute to 60-minute podcast in general. But we also will, uh, if we're having a good discussion, we'll let it go or split it into whatever. We'll, you'll, you'll figure it out. We're, we're figuring it out. You'll figure it out. Uh, the next one was uh, from U2W, at U2W, U2Wanderer, friend of the network, friend of the site. I don't, I don't know what I'm... Mm-hmm. He, uh, he had tweeted back through it during the Boston tour, and I saw someone else tweeted this too, uh, a picture of uh, Lego figurines designed to look like the members of U2. And I don't think this is an official Lego <laughs> thing, but I know um, my kids have been in the Lego store. I've been in the Lego store with my kids and you can sort of build your own figurines there and then buy them. And so someone, maybe Aaron, uh, put together their own little set of U2 figurines. So we'll put the, the link will be in the show notes to see that. It's worth checking out and, uh, and then sort of cool. using your map to find, using that as a design, I guess, to build your own guys. But... Very cool. Uh, next one, Sir Edward Gray. Sir Edward, that's our first Sir. Uh, <laughs> tour t-shirts. What are your fave types? Picks of the band, symbols, dates. Do you think they're poor this year? <laughs> so, <laughs> just a little offhanded reference there to whether the shirts are of good quality or not. So I, I don't have a shirt. I can't say this year. I have shirts from previous tours, and I can definitely say they, don't, they didn't hold up amazingly well. Uh, they're fun to have in the time. But what do you guys think of the shirts this year on this tour? Maybe Brian go first. Uh, I like them for the most part. I, I really like the kind of shirts that just have. I like the tour logo on the front with the, uh, you know, the tour dates on the back. Uh, I do find that they they um you know they they look cool, but you know they they do shrink pretty pretty easily. How about you, Matt? Did you? I guess sorry, yeah, uh, Brian. I, did you pick up? You bought a couple. Which one did you buy? I bought the one that just has the U two I E um, logo on the front. It's dark blue. Um, with the yellow logo and then the tour dates on the back. My wife actually got the black one that has the picture of the band in bed on it. Um, uh, she liked that a little better. Uh, <laughs> um, 
But yeah, so we got two in the house now. Nice. How about you, Matt? What did you Brian, is it, Brian, do you think there's a message in her choice of that shirt to you? <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody said, on the GA floor on Sunday <laughs> asked her where she would want to be in, you know, if like if she would be <laughs> like laying in the bed with them, where would she want to lay down? Um, and then they all had a nice discussion about where they would all like to be situated in that picture. And it was entertaining. Oh, my gosh. We'll save that for another Chris episode, may- maybe. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, Chris, make a note. There's another topic. I, <laughs> I hadn't thought of that one, honestly, but I'm sure there could be a very long discussion by the right kind of folks which <laughs> who would want to talk about that. That's great. Why not? So, Anyways, so, Matt, what did so you get? Getting back to- yeah, I, I, when I was in Vancouver, it's funny because Brian just said he bought a, a blue shirt. I don't think they had blue shirts in, at the Vancouver shows, um, which is when I bought one of them. And I think, I think I bought the same one that Brian bought with the logo on the front and the date on, dates on the back, but it was black and yellow. Um, but it's interesting. It, like, I mean, I can't even, the fact that I can't even remember what I bought is just a testament to the fact that, A, I don't normally buy the tour shirts. And B, if I do, I bring them home and I never wear them. I mean, I have I have them all hanging up in my closet. Um, so are they poor quality? Uh, or I, I have no idea because I just I don't wear them. Um, so are they, is it like a collector's item, or is it more just to say that you you can check it off your bucket list? You bought a shirt at the YouTube concert. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's you know I, that's a great question. I don't know why I bought the shirt. I bought the I bought the tour book in Vancouver. Um, I bought the tour book in Vancouver because the the tour book's you know pretty much always interesting to me, and I think I bought a water bottle for my son as a gift because he couldn't come to the Vancouver shows, uh, and then I bought the T-shirt. Um, and, and is the about, sorry I was going to ask is it, is the tour book worth purchasing for folks who are going to a show or are thinking about going in the future like in Europe et cetera when the tour continues? Yeah, I think so. I, Brian, did you get one too? I did not. I didn't really feel like I would be interested in it. I'm more of a, I like the stuff that has the, you know, that says, I like that, like the keychains and the pins and the patches yeah. and, and that kind of stuff. And the book didn't really appeal to me. Okay. Yeah. The, I, th- I thought the book was, was, was well done. It's, uh, you know, it's an, it's like the past ones. It's, um, you know, it's, it's interview format. Um, I think this one, it's Steve Averill interviewing uh, each of the band members. And then the other reason that I like the tour book is uh, I'm kind of a, a geek for reading all the, the production credits and who was involved and, you know, what they did and all the different roles on the tour. So, so yeah, I, I enjoyed the tour book, but I can totally understand what Brian's saying about, uh, you know, some folks not being, being interested in it. And they definitely do a good, from what I remember anyways, they do a good job of producing that. It's not like some flimsy pamphlet type thing. Yeah, no, it's it's very high quality. Yeah. Oh, it, it looks beautiful better, it's, too. It's like it's it's like 25 bucks so you, it it better be good quality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um our final question, I think, for this episode. So just for, for folks who are wondering, if you sent in a question, we do have a sheet that we're keeping track of all the questions that come in through the ask at you two hashtag. We are just kind of like, we'll, we'll throw them in as they're appropriate with discussions and, uh, and the guests uh, at you two staff that are on each particular episode as it fits. So we will get to them all. I'll say that right now because it's a manageable list right now, but <laughs> I, don't hold us to that if it gets crazy out of control, I guess. But, uh, and you should, there's, there should be a, a at YouTube podcast. Uh, I don't know if drinking game is the right word to use in, in the interest of a family safe, friend, friendly podcast, but some sort of game. Anytime a YouTube lyric is mentioned without someone giggling or, or a song name is <laughs> mentioned, <laughs> someone come up with a name for that. Anyways, um, in leading into our second segment here, the question from Hey, it's Carolina on Twitter said, what's your take on the recent set list changes and the changes to the intermission video slash song? Um, which we were just going to part of our second segment here was to talk about the recent Boston, New York tour stops. Uh, like we mentioned, New York night three just ended, I think as we're talking right now. Um, but, and then fill me in, I guess, Matt, um, what is she referring to for folks who aren't aware of what's changed? So yeah, what's like early the, 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 I want to say was one of the Boston shows three or four, they sort of flipped the second half of the show um, on its head a little bit, uh, sort of like um, you know they just they just took this block of songs that used to be towards the very end of the show and moved them up about five spaces, and that's um, what is it? It's with or without you and city of blinding lights and bad. I think were the ones that were initially just moved up. 
Um, and so City of Blinding Lights used to be the, you know, the first song of the encore, and now it's been part of the second set, and Beautiful Day used to be part of the second set, and now it's been the first uh, song of the encore. And then they also changed uh, the intermission video uh, in Van- at both Vancouver shows. It was this little you know, six-minute punk uh, montage, and then they switched it to Johnny Cash and the Wanderer. And then just within the last few shows, uh, they started... Uh, using the Gavin Friday cover of The Fly, which was put out, I think, in 2011 uh, with a special edition of Q Magazine, a a CD included with that. So that's sort of, I guess, you know, in short, a a, a summary of of some of the changes. And I'd be curious to know what, you know, because Brian didn't see the the first half of the the tour, but I'd, I'd love to hear Brian's thoughts on how it was, you know, just this past weekend at the shows you did see. Well, I think at this point between um, Meerkat and Periscope and uh, YouTube and all the – I've listened or heard the audio of pretty much every show that's happened on this tour. Um, I really like the changes, that, like the rearranging of the, some of the songs in the set list. I've always felt – I felt that uh, Bullet the Blue Sky coming right after every breaking wave was a little abrupt and it didn't flow very well. And um, when, I was, when I watched or when I heard – that new order from the Boston shows with every breaking wave going into with or without you, it, it seemed to more, uh, seemed smoother and, uh, more, um, I don't know, like that's what it, like it belonged there, you know? And then when we, I was there on Saturday and Sunday for the first two New York shows, it was really obvious, uh, with the energy going on in the building and how it sounds when it's live, that, uh, it was a really good transition and it was a really good change. And I just think that it really, helped make the uh all that second half of the set flow together really well because the first half the main set with those first 10 songs they really fit together and i felt at times that that second set got a little disjointed and it's much more it's much better now in my opinion okay very cool yeah and that's what i mean that's one of the things i'm looking forward to since you know i haven't seen a show in three plus weeks now um so I'm I'm curious to see you know I mean it's one thing to listen to the streams or whatever online I'm just curious to see what it's like in the you know in the arena you know as to to experience those changes and you know so it kind of you know it's I'm glad to hear you know Brian what you just said that it you know there there seems to be a really solid flow to it because I I liked how it was the before the switch so hopefully I'll still you know hopefully I'll still I'll still feel that way. <laughs> Do you really think you'll you'll come away disappointed, Matt? From <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> I know. I'm just. I'm just giving you a hard time. But I know what you mean, though. Like, because it's. We did talk in episode. I forget now which one. Episode one or episode two about some of that. I think it was episode two in our our interview or whatever. But about some of that, mm-hmm. just the theatrics and the the care and the thought that goes into picking a song set list uh, by you two, and and even just the theatrics that go into why they choose a song and what they're going to do when they end the song, right down to the how Bono would walk away from a song or you know things like that that the average concert goer might not pay attention to. But obviously, when you've been to say a few shows, <laughs> uh, or you you get to notice those kind of things and appreciate those little details, and so right. yeah. Yeah, I'm curious to see. We'll have to uh, for the next episode. We'll obviously have a, a chat about how you how it compares to their first batch of shows for sure. So, um, I just noticed that uh, Tim Newfeld of of at U two uh, just started his Periscope. So if you follow, um, I don't have it in front of me. What's Tim's Twitter account? Uh, I think I, I think it's at uh, at Tim Newfeld. Yeah, he tweets out after a show usually and does a little Periscope uh, chat with fans asking questions, et cetera, and, and responding to the show as well. So that's something else to tune in for um, if you haven't already. I'll put a link in the show notes to his Twitter account so you don't have to try and find it. Um, show notes you can find will be at goodstuff.fm slash at you two slash three. And of course on at you um, Yeah, I, I was, it's, it's always interesting to me, speaking of like how they rearrange stuff and why, and like we'll never probably get to real insight into that kind of conversation that happens within the band and with whoever else creatively is involved with the decisions of how those things are made. But it, w- it would be awesome to be a fly on the wall, so to speak, um, to, to uh, be involved in the, or like hear that, those conversations and why and, the, and how passionate or not some of the decisions are argued over and, and why and, and things like that. 
that's one of my dreams is to <laughs> is to be involved or to, to to not be involved in the discussion, but to be able to listen in on the discussion. Um, you know, yeah. whether it's tour planning or or how they make an album. I mean, I I would just I would just I, because I respect so much the final product. I would love to learn more about how it's created and what goes into it. So, yeah, I would love to do that. Yeah, I think the the Bill Flanagan book that we couldn't remember the name of last time we recorded, <laughs> or I'll say you couldn't. I was I knew, but I was just testing. <laughs> but, sure, right. Yeah, that was the closest we probably got to being able to getting a glimpse behind the scenes and some of the stuff discussions that went on about. Zuropa and et cetera and things like that. But if you've never read that book, Bill, the almost it's called, what do we call it? Affectionately like the YouTube Bible or whatever, the Flanagan's Bible. Um, it's definitely worth a read, even if you're uh, just a brand new YouTube fan, um, sort of getting a glimpse into the madness and the fun of a tour and things with YouTube. So um, as far as the, the show that just ended New York city night three, just ending um, there's some rumors and teases of surprises that might happen tonight. Uh, Steve Lillywhite, producer of U2 Records of the Past, was kind of tweeting saying he was at the rehearsal and fans are in for a surprise tonight. Um, before we get into what it was, hopefully this isn't spoiling it for anybody, but I guess in terms of boiling, blowing a bit of a spoiler horn saying it's going <laughs> to, we're going to reveal it. But what, what were you thinking, Matt, as far as what might happen or hoping might happen, I guess, maybe is a better way of putting it. Um, I didn't, I don't know. I, I saw his, I saw his tweet and my initial reaction was, and I, I think I tweeted this from the at you two account was, I hope his definition of a surprise is the same as those of us, um, you know, that follow the show regularly online because it's, you know, it's very possible that since he doesn't follow the tour as closely, something might surprise him that wouldn't surprise us. But anyway, yeah, it was, um, it, 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 I think it certainly. Uh, I think, think it certainly met the buildup mm-hmm. that it was given. How about you, Brian? Did you? I don't know if you were following when that happened, but were you? Is there like a song that's on your like hope they playlist? I, I was hoping that they would yeah, play something kind of surprising, like they did for when they played October on Saturday. Uh, but I thought that it was probably more likely with all of the rumors that were flying over the weekend and some rumors that were flying on on Twitter that there might be a, um, a special visitor. Uh, and uh, my guess was uh, Bruce Springsteen, because I feel like every time they're playing in the, the New York area nowadays, there's always that specter of Springsteen may show up on stage at some point. Um, so that that was my guess. And I was hoping for that. But uh because I, I remember when I saw them uh, in Philadelphia on, Ver- on the Vertigo tour and Springsteen came out and it was just about, you know, one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So I was kind of hoping <laughs> to relive that a little bit. Um, but what we got was uh, was just as good. It was uh, really, really awesome. Yeah. Do you want to – one of you can, can uh, tweet. I'll let Matt do that one. Okay. Oh, Brian, I'll, okay. <laughs> so um, – well, what happened was, uh, you know, as has happened in the past, Bono was going to, was talking about pulling somebody up to sing or play guitar, and there was a a mystery man, I guess, uh, outside the E stage with a a sign that said "Singer with a Broken Finger," and when he came up on stage, you know, he lowered the sign because he had it in front of his face, uh, and there was, uh, I guess, the the woman who Bono had pulled up to dance was meerkatting it, and it was Jimmy Fallon. And he has the broken finger because I believe, as Sherry said on Twitter, he uh, had an accident with a coffee table and broke his finger. Uh, I don't know how that happened. And he he, uh, he sang Desire with the band, which and the whole thing was up there on Meerkat. It would, looked like it was a lot of fun. At the end of it, uh, Bono gave Jimmy his sunglasses, and Bono or Jimmy did a pretty good Bono impression. And then for an additional surprise, Jimmy says, you know, hey, look who I brought with me from Philadelphia. And then the Roots come out on stage and they did uh, Angel of Harlem. Pretty much just like they did when uh, he was on the the Fallon show uh, not too long ago. And uh, it sounded great. It looked like it was all kinds of fun. I'm really jealous that uh, I wasn't there tonight. Um, <laughs> and it, I, I think it lived up to the hype. There was definitely a lot of a lot of buzz about it, and I was worried that it was going to be a letdown, um, but it was not. It was really amazing. Yeah, I was unfortunately reading the tweets and seeing the links to Meerkat while I was uh, fighting with my kids to go to sleep, so I couldn't tune in. So I actually haven't heard it yet, but uh, 
I, I thought that was in hindsight kind of obvious, like knowing that they did the whole U2 or the Tonight Show and, and a bit of history with the band trying to be on Tonight Show and then Bono having an accident. Now <laughs> Fallon having this accident, which is a really freaky, if it were Sherry had tweeted, like wedding ring, getting hooked on a coffee table, nearly ripping his finger off kind of thing makes me rethink my whole wedding ring. <laughs> idea hopefully my wife doesn't listen but um yeah <laughs> just kind of like made me grab for my my ring finger anyways but uh very cool obviously jimmy's a big fan of you too and and i'm sure it was like over the moon just getting the opportunity to do that with him even though he is his own in his own right a celebrity and stuff and um do you think we'll see because how many more nights do we have in new york here i i've kind of lost track here we're just, nine days right yeah it's eight shows so they have five left yeah, so I mean, if they, yeah, right, yeah. If they got night three here where they've got Fallon and, and the Roots on, there's a very good chance someone else would be on stage with them at some point here, don't you think? I think, I think, um, I think they know that the last two shows are going to be special and that our 20th anniversary party is part of the shows and that <laughs> they know that. They they know that Bruce Springsteen and I share a birthday, September twenty third, and so they're really going to make it special and bring him up for one of the last two shows when I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I'm sure Bon is listening, so he'll put out a call. <laughs> what is one more thing on the on what happened? I'm curious, and I think somebody even said this on Twitter. I'm curious to see if like the Fallon show will use any of that footage. Um, you know, tonight or, you know, sometime within the next week while the band is still there in New York City. I hope they do. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, it, it would seem odd that they didn't. I haven't, uh, I actually don't have t- cable right now, so I'm not even sure if, <laughs> what the Tonight Show's doing, but it would seem odd for them to be incorporated that much and not have some sort of right. footage on the show itself. Yeah, you would, you would think that, the, that they do that. So one other uh, question we can't, had come in that kind of leads into our third segment that uh, we'll get into is, came in from, oh boy, uh, Rohod67. <laughs> Maybe I should mm-hmm. go with names. I don't know which will be end up being easier. Anyways, uh, they asked, uh, what are the pros and cons of different vantage points in the GA on U2 tour, uh, I stage versus E stage, red zone, etc. And uh, by way of leading into this discussion, we're going to actually, I had a conversation earlier today with Sherry of U2, and uh, we had a chat about that as well as a few other things. So we're going to listen to that chat, and then afterwards we'll come back and sort of wrap up any loose ends with uh, Matt and Brian. So here's my conversation with Sherry. It's a jive moment. Hello, Sherry. Welcome to the official At U2 podcast. This is your first appearance on the new (laughs) At U2 podcast. I am loving the new YouTube pod, <laughs> podcast here. You know, the uh, the old one I was a part of for the five or so years, and uh, it's great to be part of the resurrected product. <laughs> the reborn, yeah. It's a, it's good to have the, the audio, I, I find anyways, when I listen or read sites like at YouTube or other sites I read, it's always interesting to hear the voices of the people because you kind of read their articles and think, this is, you put a, you put a picture in your mind or a sound in your mind of what they might sound like or, or whatever. And so maybe this will, I don't know if it, maybe it'll enhance or for some people, maybe it will, it'll, uh, what's the opposite of enhance? Um, I should, uh, disenhance. No, I need an editor. Anyways, what do you, <laughs> I'll stop talking. What do you do and what's your role at, at, at U2? Well, I've been a staff writer for the site since 1999. Um, and I coordinate the, uh, special events that our site has um, has produced for the, well, basically since 1999. Um, it's been a pleasure writing for the site and uh, getting to share my quirky perspective with all of our readers. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And you're also, you, you're often in taking part or controlling, I guess, the, the Twitter account during shows now as well, right? So I, I see you get, you're giving your color commentary on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, a rotation of um, um, staff with our social media accounts. Uh, Matt's been very generous in um, giving me the keys to the car, so to speak. <laughs> so, uh, so on show nights, it's 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 fun to ride the social wave with the rest of the world during a live U two show. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's so why I told Matt with with this. I was like, I, not that he even was offering keys to anything, but I was like, I don't want to tweeting be tweeting out to twelve thousand people and. <laughs> having them see my mistakes or, or whatever. The, the pressure was too much for me, but, but I'll talk and, and embarrass myself there, I guess, in audio form. <laughs> Typos are my worst enemy. Yeah. 
at least you can very easily go back and edit in in audio it's once it's out there it's um more or less unless we really want to i guess we can pull it away anyways the uh the current tour you've been to what how many shows and, and what have you seen so far for this tour, I've been to six shows. Uh, I went to the two openers in Vancouver, and I just completed the four in Boston. I'm gearing up to head out to New York for the uh, for the remaining two shows on the leg. So, um, been been everywhere within the arena. I've been in GA. I've been in the hundreds. I've been in the three hundreds. Um, um, I've I've been in the red zone. So I've I've been around the arena. Uh, um, looking at it from various different angles. And yeah, what that's often for people, it's maybe a little bit late for North Americans who are on this tour buying tickets and stuff, but maybe Europeans and stuff as you as you two heads over in the fall to Europe. What advice can you give? Let's say somebody can only go to one show for some crazy reason. <laughs> I know on the at YouTube staff, it's, there's a lot of folks who are going to many shows. And so you can kind of pick, cherry picking or, or go to random seats at each time and, and experience it from different vantage points. But let's say you're going to one show, where do you want to be? The, the main question you need to ask yourself is what experience are you looking to get out of the concert? Um, there is so much going on thematically um, between the three different stages that are all interconnected with one another that it depends on what you're looking for. If you want to be right up close and, and, and see the sweat pouring off of Adam Clayton's brow, then by all means, you know, if you have general admission, um, camp out, stay in the GA line for as long as you want, and try to get one of the rail spots. The beauty of this show is the way that the floor is designed. You've got maximum um, real estate when it comes to finding a rail spot. You've got the whole length of the arena from, um, you know, if, if you're thinking in terms of hockey, from one goal to the other um, um, on both sides. Um, if you are in the red zone, um, the red zones, as you've probably seen on um, various ticketing websites, um, they've got a little bit of the front stage, but then they have um, a rail that comes um, um, out that separates the red zone from the regular general admission. So, you know, if you want that up close and personal um, experience where you just drown out everything else, then that's a great spot to be. On the flip side, when you are that close, when that huge dividing screen comes down, you can't see anything on that. Your neck is going to be tilted up really high in order to get a, a decent view of it when it's up. But when it's down um, uh, as a divider, you can see through it, but you can't see the actual visuals projecting from it. So um, in that way, you're only getting part of the show. If you are in the um, in the stands, you don't have that really close connection, but you get the whole picture of what's going on. There are only um, two little sliver of um, locations, and that is directly um, looking through the screen, both from the uh, I stage and from the E stage, where you can't see the screen, but you know you're only impacting a small percentage of um, of seats that way. At least the band um, has uh, little projection screens above it, so you can sort of see what's being fed live, but you can't see any of the graphics that are on the um, um, on the main screen that way. Um, so, you know, it's a little bit of everything. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. is it, is it like the being up too close is kind of like you're, you're staring, you're too close to the pixels or you've got front row seats at your movie theater where it's just, you're too close to take it all in. But, um, is there a lot of people on like in the G area, G A area where you're kind of running from one point to another because you know like if you've read obviously you follow the at youtube.com site you know yeah. what's going to happen and so you maybe are okay adam's going to be over here now so I'm gonna, like is there a shuffling around of, of the people in the know absolutely absolutely and i'm just as guilty of it um when i've been down on the floor i'm only five foot tall 
My husband is six foot two. So um, <laughs> I need to jockey just to be able to see above everybody. Whereas he looks like um, um, a little prairie dog popping out, you know, right. <laughs> uh, or for lack of a better term, a meerkat. Um, so, so when when the band starts to come down, like during Sunday Bloody Sunday, you'll start to see a, a flow of people start to go more central to the stage. And obviously, when the band's on the E stage, you'll see that whole area sort of swell up. And um, and if you're on a rail and you want to keep your rail spot, you're going to miss all those different angles when the band starts moving around. Um, I found that it was very beneficial to actually move with the flow of the show just to get the best uh, possible view of it. But I also, because I'm so short, I need to be further away from the stage to have a better sight line. Right. Um, but uh, the good thing is, is when the band comes out during Sunday Bloody Sunday, not too many people really realize what's going on until it's it's a little too late. So for for me, if I just walked in on on the GA line at the very last minute, I could still be second or third deep in front of Larry as he's playing because nobody has really swayed to that particular area at that point of the show. You find little sweet spots and you can take best advantage of it. Um, and, and for me, that's the most enjoyable part of the general admission experience because, to be honest, I know I'm never going to get pulled up to dance. I know I'm never going to get selected for Meerkat. So I gave up that dream a long time ago. <laughs> but instead, I just want to be in the middle of all that joy and excitement. And, and there's a definite spirit that fills the arena. And to be, you know, right in the muck of it, it's it's just so exhilarating to be a part of it. But you also feel that up in the stands. So it really doesn't matter where you are inside of the bowl, as they call it, um, um, the uh, internal part of the arena. Um, the best part of it is just you're there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can. I haven't been onto this tour yet, but I, I know like my first experience actually of you two on tour was Pop Mart, Pop Mart, and uh, but being way up at the top of the football stadium, basically you know, like five nosebleed section, five seats from the top of the stadium and, and still loving it. Cause it was just like this, you know, you get to see the mass of people who are experiencing this show. And then the next tour I was got shuffled down in close or whatever and, and experienced it from that angle. And I think, I think even the GA or what, what I remember doing is like at one point stepping back on the last tour, stepping back sort of to the edge of the GA area and just soaking it in from the back where you're not worried about jostling with people and sort of fighting around stuff, but just enjoying the music and the atmosphere of the, of the concert as well. And, and kind of taking a moment to just, yeah, take it all in. So it's, and that's my favorite part especially during Pride or during Streets, being at the very back and seeing the whole arena clapping and the adulation and the fists up in the air and everybody having that communal, yeah, um, and just watching it and seeing everybody's faces, almost everybody universally has that same look of wow on their face. And, and as soon as everybody starts jumping and clapping during Streets, like I said, that's my favorite part of the whole show. As much as I love the band, I love what goes on within the confines of the um, of the concert venue. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you in, cause I think this is kind of, this is an ongoing debate. I'm sure among you two fans, I know it is in my own mind as far as where does this tour now that you've seen, uh, six, six stops so far on this tour and a couple more to come, where does it rank for you among some of the recent tours or, or all the tours, I guess, whatever you've been to. And this has been something that I've been asked, um, a lot lately. Um, at, when I com complete my shows this year, I will have seen them uh, 59 times uh, between n 1992 and now. And it, at this stage of my life, it has finally surpassed Zoo TV. Um, Zoo TV was a tour where they took the mirror and reflected it outward um, to society, to the media, to to all of these external factors to, to say, look what's wrong with you. This is how you need to change what's going on. And maturity um, 
kind of forces you to do some self-introspection. So with this tour, they've taken the mirror and pointed it back at themselves and said, you know, the whole, I can't change the world, but I can change the world in me um, type of thing. And it's it the authenticity of this tour blended with taking everything that they've done up to this point in their life and putting it out there hard on a sleeve, breaking down at that fourth wall with, with all of the social interaction that they're um, finally bringing us in on. Um, it's, it's the personal nature of this tour that has ranked it even above anything that I've seen up to this point. Um, it, it has such a, a personal pull with me um, that I'm able to to take what's happened, apply it to what's happened in my life or my fandom or my fan journey. And I feel like I'm right there in the narrative with them. And they're taking us on this particular path. And and um, there there has been nothing like it up to this point where it's hit me so personally. Um, and that's why it is my favorite tour um, thus far. And I can't wait to see how it continues to, to uh, uh, transform. And, 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 and when you know, Songs of Experience comes out, how are they going to um, uh, change it up? How are they, if they're going to do stadiums, how are they going to do that? Um, it's exciting to, to just imagine what the possibilities are. And the hope is, you know, that this tour will go on for a long, long time. Um, there's no way that they're only doing uh, uh, 10 major cities in North America. They're going to have to come back with this production. So um, it's going to be exciting to see what the future brings. And, uh, and my poor bank account is going to be uh, uh, feeling it. <laughs> I think that'll be a, a discussion in a future episode, too, is, is just budgeting for your U2 tour experience and how... I'll have a, I'll have to get everybody on because I'm one of those fans who's I feel like far removed from from stuff and I don't know if you've ever said where you are in the world and you don't have to but the where I live anyways the it's like generally at least a six hour drive or multiple flights to get to any spot where you two is going to stop and so it just adds you know, adds expenses. Anyways, I'm getting into it and we'll, as you said, we'll save it for future. <laughs> Whereas for me, I live in the Boston area. So right. you've got Massachusetts. If they do any shows in Connecticut, they do shows in New York. You know, I am blessed with a geographically, uh, uh um, yeah, advantageous place. location. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, for me, um, uh, it's, it's the whole notion of, okay, we've got three years. We're going to start up a little Christmas bank account, but instead of putting it towards Christmas, it's towards um, you two travel expenses. And I know a lot of people who do that in between tours. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's a good start. Um, so one question, we have the uh, hashtag ask at YouTube hashtag that listeners uh, can tweet out questions to us for future episodes on the show and we're making a list and we'll um, check it twice and we'll um, then ask answer questions where appropriate in the podcast. But one question came in from um, RVH95 uh, was dramatically more cell phone cameras in the crowd this tour in GA. Band is embracing tech, but is it ruining the experience? What do you ah, think? that's a great question. I had to force myself to put my phone away and just watch the performance. Um, I do believe that it does take away from the performance. I'm just as guilty as everybody else because I want the picture and, and I want to tweet it or Instagram it um, for um, people who can't be at the show. But I am noticing um, that it is impacting the way that the band interacts with the um, with the audience a little bit more, that they're um, not as as jovial or or as engaging as they have been on previous tours, simply because they can't get eye contact. Um, uh, for Boston One, I was right up against the rail, and I just decided for you know three quarters of the show just to put the phone away and just trying to get eye contact with um, with the band members. It 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 seemed like they were just glazing over because they just see a sea of phones, right. um, and instead they're really performing to the upper balcony, which is what any good performer should be doing anyway. You always perform to the last row of the um, of the theater, but I I. I feel like if they can't get eye contact with you, then why should they stop and 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 do 
their little performance in front of you if right. you're not going to be engaging them. So it's a blessing and a curse. I I wish that people would be a little bit more reserved. You know, take a couple shots, then put it away. Yeah, yeah, and that, and it gets in the way of other people being able to see and all that kind of stuff. That whole argument too, I'm sure. And um, and it is interesting. You bring up an interesting angle on it where the the GA area is the technically is the cheap seats, right? And and the audience. That's pay, if I remember the stadium, I haven't looked at the mm-hmm. stadium layout exactly on this tour up close because I knew I wasn't going to see anything anytime soon. But um, that you know, the more expensive tickets are actually a little further away in the stands, right? And right, if I'm the under- the um, the most expensive ticket outside of the VIP packaging is is the red zone, and then um, you have a good majority of the lower bowl. That would be the hundred sections. Those are all the the two hundred eighty dollar ticket plus your uh, applicable fee. So if you're paying three hundred dollars to see a concert, um, um, you're going to want a three hundred dollar experience. Yeah, and that's expect. what it's interesting because you you've got the hardcore quote unquote hardcore fans maybe in GA who are willing to sort of sweat it out <laughs> and get up close. But again, the band itself is also being the tour. It's being financed by those two hundred eighty dollar ticket spenders who have the means obviously to spend that. But then yeah, like you said, sort of in a sense, I don't know if deserve is the right word, but maybe expect uh, that they'll be played to as well. And and that's like you two has famously done a great job, I think, of, of, of doing that. And hopefully everybody who listens to this has experienced at least one show or, or is going to get to experience one show in their life on their bucket list or whatever of, of being a U2 fan. But, um, but yeah, it's, it is an interesting dynamic of, of just like, who do you play to and how do you handle that sort of dichotomy of these folks are up close to me, but those people over there are actually paying my bills <laughs> and things like that. So True. And the band has, has been very good um, about uh, when they're, when they're uh, um, leaving the stage, waving to the people up in the nosebleeds, the people who need the os- oxygen masks. You know, they are trying to get everybody engaged within that uh, arena and when Bono um, brings out the um, spotlight when they choose to end the show with 40 that spotlight goes up into the upper nosebleeds first you know they get the privilege of of that acknowledgement and um, that's something that I have really appreciated with this band from day one is it's not just about the people in the front row it's not just about the people who pay the the uh, uh, the high ticket price, they are playing to every single soul in that arena, trying to reach out to everybody. Um, it, it brings me back to the Vertigo tour with the everyone, everyone, everyone. Um, that is who they perform to. And that's very endearing. Mm-hmm. So thanks, Sherry, for coming on this episode of uh, the At YouTube podcast. And I'm, we'll definitely have you on again sometime and uh, look forward to it. It's been an honor and a pleasure. And I can't wait to, uh, to join in. Once again, thanks for having me. That's a real Zoo TV moment. Thanks to Sherry for uh, that chat. And uh, so, Brian, you were at a couple of shows and you were in a couple of different seats yourself. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, what was your experience and what do you th- recommend to future concert goers, both, I mean, maybe the New York show here, but also obviously as it goes to Europe and stuff, what, what kind of seating do you recommend? I think one of the questions I put to K- Sherry was if you had to go to one show or if you can only go to one show, where would you sit, I guess? And then also, you know, just your response or experience of sitting in the two different seats. Well, if I could sit anywhere, I think it, it seems that the best view, the best seats in the house are those, the side seats in like the lower level where you can get a really nice view of the whole screen and you see the E stage fairly well and the main stage fairly well. Uh, and you really get a, a sense of the show as a whole. Now, when I was there on Saturday, I had seats um, in the sec- the 200 level of Madison Square Garden, so I, and I was kind of on the end. So I had a view of the screen, but it was a, a sharp view. Like, I didn't see it straight on. Uh, I was at an angle, and I was closer to the E stage and farther away from the main stage. And it, it was, it was a, a, a nice experience. It was uh, a little more, it was a little uh, more relaxing. Uh, I felt a little more, you know, kind of chilled out sitting up there. Um, I got to see the whole... Like I got to see all the visuals, everything, and uh, it it was a nice compliment because then on Sunday I was down in uh, in the general admission and and my wife and I actually got uh, up very close to the stage. I think we were maybe two people back from where Adam was, and from that 
um, perspective, you really can't see anything. You can't. You can barely see the screen. You can't see the E stage at all. When uh, when Bono came out at the beginning of the Miracle of Joey Ramone, we couldn't see him until he was three quarters of the way up the the catwalk to the main stage. So you you lose a lot of the the show, but you know you do get a pretty cool experience being that close to the band. It's it's a different kind of thing, but. With this show, it's really about, you know, it's about the music, but it's also about the visuals and all of the, the cool things and the cool technology that they have going. Um, so it is kind of, you know, this is the first U2 tour where I would prefer to sit in a seat and see the whole thing as opposed to being down in the pit and, in, you know, really getting, getting into the music. And, um, but even so, I had a great time. I had a great time for both, for both seats, you know. For, and for, that's interesting because I, I've only been down on the floor uh, for the shows that I've been to, which you know is 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 my preferred spot. But I agree with you that it, probably to take in the entire experience, you know, those really expensive the you know the two hundred and fifty or the three whatever they are three hundred dollars seats are you know the best seats in the house um, in terms of if you want to you know see the band, see the screen, et cetera, et cetera. Um, my fear of that is just that, you know, I'm going to end up being surrounded by, you know, people that are going to sit down during the new songs and I'm going to want to be standing up the whole time. And, you know, and so then you get, you know, there's, you know, peer pressure with, you know, the people you're in front of or behind and all that sort of stuff. And I just, I I don't want to deal with that. So that's why I I really prefer the, um, you know, prefer the, I didn't experience that at all. Um, I mean, I was up. And, you know, in the 200 level, which on the side, they were definitely the cheap seats. And I think there was only one person in my immediate area who sat down at any point of the show. How about and that? Even looking around both nights, you know, I, I think you mentioned, I think in the, uh, the second podcast that you like to look around and, and see the other people as they're watching the show. Uh-huh. And I was doing that a bit on Saturday and Sunday. And Everybody was standing pretty much the entire time. Oh, that's I fantastic. think I saw a couple people sit down when Bono started to go into a longer speech, um, <laughs> but that was it. Every everybody was up, and that's I think that's been true of every every U two show I've ever been to. Whether I'm on the floor, or I'm in the seats, or I'm up in the nosebleeds, or I'm down below, everybody's standing and everybody's into it the whole time, and it wasn't any different. Which is, to yeah. be fair, like if Bono is going to go on a bit of a speech, it's, <laughs> it's not a bad idea to maybe just rest your leg. <laughs> That's true. Because look, we're, we're all getting older, right? Right. Just, <laughs> yeah. I guess if Bono can stand up that long, we should be able to. But yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would just, ju- just, just to wrap it up, I, w- I, w- I agree with what Sherry said where, uh, you know, I think right at the, the first thing that she said when you asked that, Chris, was um, – you have to you have to know going in what your goal is and what you want to get out of the show. You know, be, uh, yeah. you know if you if you want to be close to the to the rail and be able to see you know the whites of their eyes, then you're going to miss all this this other production. And you know, as Brian was just explaining, if you want to be up you know close to the main stage, you're not going to see the E stage. So I think that's a you know she made a really important point there is that you have to know kind of going in. Um, you know, what you hope to experience and, you know, choose your seating accordingly. Yeah, exactly. And I, I want, um, I want to just ask both of you, since you've been to uh, quite a few shows and I don't know if this is just a, something as a, a bit of an outsider on the, uh, I don't know, I want to say the mythology of the U S and a bit that where your Bono, you two in general and other bands sort of, um, they, they like the, the experience of playing at Madison Square Gardens is understandably like this big deal to a band, even you two at this point, the fact that they get to do that. And, but is, as an audience goer, is it just like any other stadium or do you feel, is there something different about a show at Boston Gardens or the Madison Square Garden or, or is it just that you sort of get caught up in the band's experience of being playing there? Does that make sense as a question? I don't know if that's, cause like, I, I guess I've seen them in kind of just, uh, Canadian Football League Stadium and uh, right. and a Montreal the Montreal Forum I saw them when open, Arcade Fire opened for them and stuff but the so that was kind of neat but it, it could have been any stadium I guess and so I'm just curious from a fan's perspective who's been to a few shows is there does it feel different when you're in a sort of prestigious a stadium or, or anything like that 
I think it does. Um, at, at this point now, I saw them at Madison Square Garden, and I also got to see them at old the old Giant Stadium um, in the Meadowlands. And, I mean, I actually felt more excited to go to Madison Square Garden just because it was Madison Square Garden, and uh, it's so famous. And I think the band definitely um, feeds off of the energy of being in a place like that, which in turn makes it much more enjoyable for us. Uh, I would say that uh, out of all the shows that I've seen, the the top shows that I will always remember were the ones that were at Madison Square Garden and and Giant Stadium, more so than you know the Wells Fargo Center or the Raven Stadium in Baltimore. It just doesn't have the same atmosphere to me. And I've never I've never seen a show. I've never been inside Madison Square Garden for anything, you know, basketball, hockey, whatever concerts. So I'm looking forward to next week to to see if what Brian just said is correct or not, if there actually is something special about that. Because, um, you know, for me, like, you, you know, my, my, the favorite, my favorite U2 show I ever saw was on the Elevation Tour, and it was in San Jose of all places, you know, the, whatever it was called back then, the, the Compact Center, oh, HPS, yeah. something like that. So, you know, certainly not a famous arena. My favorite show this tour was uh, the first show in Phoenix. Again, not, you know, not a famous arena. So, um I don't have experience with, you know, have, you know, seeing them in, you know, these cathedral arena type or stadium type uh, places. So I'm looking forward to next week for that reason. Yeah, we'll have to have a a duke it out battle. <laughs> no, <laughs> but yeah, that's it, it's an exciting. I mean, the fact that they have this big long stand there is just kind of neat, and they obviously get comfortable. Like I think of it, sometimes I get caught up in the thinking from the just sort of raw humanity of it all. Of like, okay, like they're settled into their hotel there, or probably Bono's place or whatever they own somewhere down in New York, but. And they take, get to take the same route to the stadium and they get to see the same person at the door and, you know, like familiar faces. And it's kind of like you get relaxed into a bit of a comfort zone, just like if I know if I go on vacation <laughs> or whatever, I get comfortable there and you kind of relax rather than having to pack up and go again. And uh, so it's it'll be neat to see, I guess, over the next five shows that they have left, how they sort of relax in this concert. And, and I'm really looking forward to hearing from Matt and everybody else from at you two that's going to be at the last couple of shows and then naturally the the big party which why don't you uh just give us some more details again matt on in case somebody happens to be in the new york area or is going to the shows or wants to make it out there what what's happening and what can they do wednesday uh july 29th next week well it's next week as we record this depending upon when yeah. someone is listening it might just be a day or two away i guess uh but yeah july 29th the cutting room in new york city this really cool venue um with you know it's a little it's a it's a performance uh you know concerts get put on there you know like legitimate artists play this place and we here we are renting it out for a night which is uh, you know pretty cool for at you two to do and uh we're celebrating our 20th anniversary and uh, unforgettable fire a uh, a really great tribute band is going to be performing. Uh, they're going to do two sets for us, just like you know U2 is doing two sets on the tour. They're going to do two sets for us. We've got prizes that we're going to give away, um, all sorts of fun stuff going on. The African Well Fund is going to announce the results of their um, their Bono's uh, Build a Well for Bono's Birthday campaign fundraiser. So just a ton of stuff going on. We have some fun uh, some fun surprises uh, planned for the the crowd as well. It's just I mean it's going to be great and uh, you know good food and cake and uh, you know just it's just a fun party. I can't wait. It's always great to get to, to get together with our staff and to have our readers you know that uh, you know have been following us for a while that uh, get them in the in the, the same place having fun with us. Yeah, it's only like it's twenty bucks a person. Cheap, 20, cheap tickets 20, for a New York party, I think. Yeah, 20, 20 bucks a person, which, you know, in, in my perfect world, it would be free. But when you rent a place like the cutting room, they don't give it to you for free. <laughs> so we have, some, we have some costs that we need to cover. Did and, you say uh, who you are? Did, did they, you're Matt, the owner of a world-famous website. That's, yeah, that's, boy, that really went far, didn't it? <laughs> how about you, Brian? Are you making it out to there? Is that... Unfortunately, I will not be able to make it. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. You and I will be watching from afar. That would be cool. (laughs) We'll We'll be there in spirit, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say that. We will miss you guys. That's for sure. We'll try and catch the Periscope stream of the Unforgettable Fire. We'll have to have like a, it should almost be somebody doing a parody of Tim doing, I don't know, I I lost in my analogy comparison (laughs) somehow. I know what you're saying. (laughs) The Unforgettable Tim doing, yeah, anyways. You know what I mean. 
I'll, I'll stop while I'm ahead, sort of. Let's wrap this up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's getting late. We're punchy. Uh, so yeah, it's on July 29th. Definitely check that out. Links will be in the show notes, of course. Goodstuff.fm slash at you two slash three is this episode's uh, number and where you can find it. Uh, Twitter, you can find at you two. <laughs> Twitter at you two. Twitter.com slash at you two is what I'll say. Facebook.com slash at you two.com. And like we mentioned, use the hashtag ask at you two to submit any questions, comments, critiques, uh, all that kind of stuff. And we'll try and answer it in future episodes of the show. Matt, any other closing comments from you, Mr. Boss of you at you two? None from me. I'm, uh, I enjoyed our conversation tonight. Thanks for, uh, thanks for working on this, Chris and Brian. Great to have you on. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, Brian. And uh, yeah, thanks for not firing me yet, uh, Matt. And that's what Sherry and I said before when we chatted. We just, Hopefully we don't say anything that Matt fires us over and we get to keep doing this because it's a lot of fun. <laughs> so, And thank you to folks for listening. Like I'll mention, for a, a while I'll be banging this gong, but if you can go, if you listen through iTunes, if you don't listen to you listen through iTunes, just ignore me. But if you listen through iTunes, you can go and leave a rating or review for the show. It really helps. I know it sounds kind of silly, but it really helps get the word out about the show to other folks and kind of reminds Apple or the folks at iTunes that, hey, this show is, is being listened to. And I know there's been a bunch of you leaving reviews. Once we get them categorized and stuff, we'll read some of the funny ones or whatever and interesting stuff and incorporate that all into the show. So thanks for listening. Have a good day. Bye.